my next question involves sure. some of your other interests. <laughs> you mentioned singing earlier with mm-hmm. your condenser yep. mic. Uh, what genres do you sing? Uh, generally jazz and some traditional stuff, some pop, but I have a, a lower register in my voice. I'm more of a contralto, so I tend not to sing too much of the pop because that generally goes to the higher registered singers. Right. <laughs> and I get it. Um, I really love Torch songs. They're just like my favorite. Uh, Sarah Vaughn and, and Karen Carpenter are two of my favorite singers. <laughs> so uh, I, I end up, um, well, I, I, as much as I can, patterning myself, my, uh, my vocal stylings after usually around that. <laughs> okay. So that, that knocks out my next question of uh, favorite jazz vocalists. Aha. Well, yeah, Sarah Vaughn, definitely. Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I like the older stuff. Did you know, you? I, I, I listen to some of the newer stuff, but, um, and Lena Horne. Oh, my God. Yeah. While growing up, I used to listen to jazz on the weekends. There was, mm-hmm. like, there was always like a Sunday program. Sure. From like, I'd say noon till about six, where you heard all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm familiar with a lot of the, the names that you mentioned and the music that <laughs> they've come up with. And it's very good stuff. Sure. So. It's just beautiful and very heartfelt. So um, like jazz blues is just, I love it. <laughs> is that a genre of music you've always been drawn to? Uh, over the course of your life or what's... you know what it's I, I want to say it, it's fairly recent in that um, oh wow I've been <laughs> I've been married for 30 years <laughs> and my husband was the one who uh, brought it to my attention when we were first going out but before that I hadn't really heard a whole lot of it um, my parents raised me on Billy Joel and Joni Mitchell and Stevie Wonder and, you know, all of that kind of music, which I still love. But uh, I hadn't really heard much jazz blues until uh, my husband got me into it. And and that was the music that hit me in the heart. So I've loved it ever since. Mm, okay. Are there any new artists that you listen to uh, with any consistency? Oh my goodness. That's, uh, oh, oh my goodness. I don't know if I could actually, you know, I kind of like train, <laughs> but I don't know how recent that really is. <laughs> I mean, they still perform. Um, yeah. I, I, the last, the only song I know from them is Drops of Jupiter. And I think there's another, yeah. I think there was some other song that got popular on the uh, advertising space. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, uh, it was, I think Toyota used it. Yes, um, they probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who am I? I'm trying to um, remember because uh, they have a song called Ghost, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the band is because I can't. Yeah, I can't remember it. I'm really awful when it comes to names. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I'm even not able to find it on the internet. Like, <laughs> how pathetic is that? <laughs> You might need yeah. some more keywords. Uh, yeah, keywords. I couldn't even really figure out what the keywords are. Um, I Yeah, you know what? Honestly, in recent years, I 
just haven't been listening to a whole lot of music. How awful is that to say, really? But I tend to, when I'm working and when I'm doing things I want to focus on, I tend to like silence. And my husband kind of explains it this way, that when you make music, you tend to, your, your brain tends to work overtime when you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not as relaxing as it might be to some other people. So I find that if I need to concentrate, I really, I prefer silence. One of the other bands that I really like, though, is The Script. Have you heard of them? One of my favorite songs um, is called Break Even. Yes. Yeah, I was going to mention that one in particular. And the reason that I like them so much is because of the lyrics, because they're super clever lyrics. Not only are they great singers and very rhythmic, but they also write really fantastic lyrics. So for me, it's really hard to listen to music and just experience it, just like sit there and listen to it. I have to, I have to understand it. <laughs> and so that makes it more of a, an exercise rather than just a, an experience, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There, there are people that they, with music, they let it wash over them. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a passive experience. Like they give themselves to the song, but then there are others who are very, not necessarily critical, but they have to process every level of it as they're yeah. hearing it. The lyrical content matters. The beat yep. matters. Yeah, I know both. I know both sides of that. Yeah, I know both sides of that because it, it's hard for me to just let it wash over me. I, I just, I can't do it. I, <laughs> I think more so with instrumental music, you can do that. Yeah, that is easier. Yes, yeah, there's, but, there's a couple of less layers to it. If that, yeah, because there's no lyrics necessarily, and sometimes there isn't really a tune. There, there kind of is, but yeah. you know. Uh, I, I kind of, I've, I've called, my husband does this a lot. He'll have like everything on, like video, music, you know, his Nexus thing, you know, his little iPad thing, whatever. He'll have it all on at the same time. And I call it media wallpaper <laughs> because it's basically just there in the background while you do other stuff. I can't do that. <laughs> I find that impossible. <laughs> I can't accomplish anything like that. So, um, so yeah, I need to actually experience, I need to um, be in that something I'm listening to. I need to be experiencing it and listening to it, like you said, not necessarily critically, but with a deeper sense than just letting it wash over me. I can't seem to do that. <laughs> That's fine. There's, there's, there's no, uh, I'll support you in any argument you make publicly <laughs> about that. I know it's awful to admit as a musician, right? Like, <laughs> I don't listen to a whole lot of music. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of awful. You can, you, can change the, you can change the perspective and say, I don't listen to other people's music because I'm focusing on mine. Well, no, I wouldn't even say that. <laughs> Actually, that, that sounds uh, worse than I think about. I, you know what? I, I love to sing and I, I do it very uh, rarely in a public setting. I do lend my vocals to other people's albums every once in a while. And then I'll immerse myself in that entirely. But I tend to go through phases where I completely immerse myself or I'm just completely out of it. I, I just don't have a halfway, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> that was a weird discussion. I don't know if I've ever told that to anyone. So there you go. <laughs> we, have, we have original content. 
Uh huh. <laughs> okay, so um, other interests we have. Oh, um, back to the voiceover business. Mm-hmm. When it comes to jobs, do the companies contact you directly? Is there a go between, like an agent or a service? Uh, how does how does that process happen? It's actually all of the above. Um, so it depends on which eggs you have in your basket. Let's put let's put it that way. I have as many as possible. So I have the website working for me. My SEO is great. I also have agents, uh, and I have regional agents who are in specific areas. So they get different auditions, all of them, a lot. There are uh, large auditions that come through and go out to all agents and I'll get it like three or four times. (laughs) So that does happen. But because of the regional nature of each of these agents, they do have their own clients. So those clients go to that specific agent and a specific job audition. You know, usually it's an audition process before you actually get the job with an agent. And if I happen to be the choice, then I go through that agent and do the job. I do often get contacted directly by ad agencies and video production companies and just people who find my website through looking for a female voice actor. And, uh, and that works really well. There's also directories out there where you can get a listing and, uh, one of the ones in Europe, for instance, is called the Dalgo. So that normally will reach German, uh, Netherlands, uh, European clients. And so that's how I might get an inroad in there. Okay. Have you ever been recognized uh, by your voice based off of any of the ads that you might have done? Uh, I can tell you that my parents regularly recognize me, <laughs> but uh, beyond that, I, it, I mean, it's not really about me. It's not supposed to be about me. Well, no, I know. I know. But sometimes there's, <laughs> there's some, t- I, I know the rarity of that actually happening. It's yeah. a very small percentage chance. I, I ask it anyway, just because, mm-hmm. but there are times when there are certain voices that I hear associated with certain ads that's mm-hmm. kind of why, like, if I heard that voice, I would think, you know, oh, that's that person's voice. Like, with, I know it's, a, I know it's different, uh, a different connection where, like, voice actors with cartoons and video mm-hmm. games, I know that they are not, you know, Pac-Man or Sonic the Hedgehog or whoever. <laughs> yeah. And, and those people have voice act. They are backed by voice actors. So I, mm-hmm. if I heard that voice specifically out and about but obviously no one's going to be talking like pac-man or sonic yeah so that's kind of how i'm i know that the people doing the voices for the advertising are using their a voice that would be close to normal so maybe it might be out in the wild somebody might have heard it and say oh i can i've picked up (laughs) so-and-so's voice i was at this supermarket i heard so-and-so yelling at the bag boy over limes I think that was him. <laughs> uh, so that's that's the only reason why I asked. I know I know it's a very tiny percentage chance that you know that could happen. I I will say that I 
was staying in a hotel in Columbus, Ohio, on my way somewhere else. And I was in the um, restaurant and it was mostly empty and they were playing something on the television. And one of my commercials came up and about halfway through, I was like, hey, that's me. (laughs) That was surreal. (laughs) No one else was around but my husband. So, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that might be the, that might be the question is how is it to hear your own voice out and about that might very be. strange yeah. it's very strange because it doesn't sound like you uh, I, it is me I know it's me and I didn't put on a voice when I was doing that because you know they want someone as realistic sounding and natural sounding as possible they want someone who just speaks the way they speak mm. that's part of the challenge of being a voice actor in that um if you are putting on too much of a voice, you don't sound real. And people want someone who sounds real. But look at the environment I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm in a booth with headphones on my head talking into a mic in a padded room to nobody. <laughs> so to make that sound natural is acting. Yeah, I was, I was going to then ask how much acting how many how much acting classes have you taken or how many uh or uh how long a time per se i constantly take coaching okay and uh it's it is a constant thing because there's always more to learn i certainly don't i don't know everything (laughs) um and there are uh different coaches that will give you different nuggets that will help you in your trajectory wherever you happen to want to be going. So when I first started, yes, a lot of it was just the basics of acting because I'd never done that before. I'd been on a stage singing. So I knew a little bit about having a persona and I have, uh, uh, you know, a, a rich fantasy life going on in my head like most people do. But, you know, you need to use that when you're doing this for a living. But then after that part sort of gets set in your brain, you kind of have to understand how advertising works. So there are some aspects of advertising and why a writer wrote the script they did that you need to bring out with your voice in as natural way as, uh, in as, natural a way as possible. And that is another learned skill. So it's, it's constantly a challenge and it's, constantly learning more as you go and your experience also teaches you so after 12 plus years I've learned a few things about how my voice works and how I need to perform a script to please a client and which genres are better for the sound of my voice so it's like it's you realize that your voice is an instrument and you learn to master that instrument over time Well, yeah, I I wouldn't even say master. I'm definitely learning more as I go. Uh, Like I said, this is a constant learning experience. And certainly the singing has helped a lot because knowing how my voice works, that started from the singing. That allows you to understand the registers you can and cannot do. Yes. Also, it lets me hear scripts like I hear music. So they have notes and beats for me. I can see the correlation. Yeah. I can see the correlation. I mean, it's different for everyone. Everyone has the way that they approach a script um, and why. 
but that's my background. So that's where I come at it from. Yeah. You're, you're, you're uniquely prepared for that, for the voiceovers because of your music background. It certainly helps. Yeah. It definitely does help. Yeah. What was your first ever voice acting job? Uh, strangely, it was a documentary. <laughs> um, I was really lucky that the very first job that I got that was a paying job was for a documentary that an advertising agency was doing. I think it was his father was a photographer in World War II on uh, an island and he had some Kodachrome beautiful film and uh, he um, uh, I think it was in Saigon mm -hmm. and uh, his father had taken some photos that showed a prop plane that was maybe Amelia Earhart's so it was it was a really interesting documentary about those photos and about the possibility that they might have found where she went down hmm. and maybe why. But it was it was a, a I mean, they didn't come out and say it outright. It was kind of like because they don't know for sure. But uh, but these photos seem to indicate it was kind of interesting. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was a fantastic experience and, uh, I really loved working with them. That's an interesting first job. Mm -hmm. first yeah. That's, that's a very good first step to have. I, would say. <laughs> like in, in I was lucky that they took a chance on me because, you know, they, I don't know that they, I, I, you know, I think I got it through a directory that I was listed in Okay. and, uh, um, and they just liked the sound of my voice and. And we worked it out, and it was a great experience. <laughs> hmm. um, so what was your first uh, big job? One where you knew it was like a major corporation or um, something that you would consider a big job, your first one of those? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've worked for um, Visit Orlando for many years, and that was... Like I think I've I've been with them. Uh, wow, I, I, like it could be almost seven plus years, something like that. Um, and it's been a wonderful experience again. And I think it's changed agencies a couple of times since I've started. And I just I love it. And it's 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 pretty big. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, it's it's pretty large in that. Uh, it's both U.S. and Canada and the U.K. Mm. So it plays all over. It's basically for tourism in Orlando. Mm. So it's not specifically for Disneyland. It's for like everything. And uh, they have like dining months and things like that, you know, where you can go and experience dining from world-class chefs and stuff like that. Like there's all sorts of promotions that they do. And I know that I hear it here in Ontario because it gets cold here in the winter. <laughs> And people want to go somewhere warm. So uh, rightfully so, the Visit Orlando folks advertise here. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see why. So my next, yeah, definitely. My next question <laughs> is, um, have you visited Orlando? I, you know what? I haven't been in a really long time, but I am about to go for PodFest. I'm going to be there in early March. Mm, okay. I've, never, I've, I've heard about it in the podcasting space. People mm -hmm. have been mentioning going to PodFest. I have not been to any of these podcast conferences. 
conferences. I mean, I just started in April of 2019, so mm-hmm. um, obviously I only started in May. So oh, yeah, we we yeah we're we're newcomers, um, but I've already pivoted to a different podcast, <laughs> and the new podcast started in middle of November. So yeah, so you've. You, Okay. Yeah. So you've, but you, you did a lot of episodes early. I did. Um, I had about 30 episodes. Yeah. See, I, I took my, I took a lot more time. (laughs) It was, it was literally just one a month, you know, uh, taking Mm -hmm. my, taking my, my pace, but 30, 30 in a very short time. And then you switched to something you've already sort of moved to a place where you can make that pivot. I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but. Well, I record every day. Like that's, yes. it, it's part of my job and it's part of what I love to do. So, you know, for me, not such a huge big deal. Yeah, I was say you- <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, when I, when I pivoted into the new space, the new podcast, it fit what I do a lot better. You, you say you record every day. Is, yeah, is, pretty much. Just in any, whether it's something podcast related, uh, job related or singing related, it's just, you're in the booth f- every day. A, a lot. okay i think it just dawned on me when you said i mean i record every day i was like wait there's got to be a day that she doesn't record like that's yeah you know what even on weekends i find myself because i love what i do (laughs) and when you love what you do like don't they say you never work a day in your life they do say that they do say they do say that yeah so i because i love it if a client i mean i don't do this all the time and, you know, if a client really needs something, then I'm available whenever. But um, sometimes in order to make my Monday a little easier, <laughs> I will record something over the weekend. <laughs> I mean, not tell anyone I'm doing that. <laughs> but, uh, but it certainly makes my, my day a little easier if I can spread things out a little bit. So I am very much into, I wouldn't exactly call it time management, but self-care. Let's say self-care. And I know what my limits are as far as how much I can talk in a day mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, how much I want to talk in a day. And I will pattern my, uh, my days to spread things out. And um, I've also patterned my career so that I don't do really long e-learning projects or audiobooks. Um, and I don't do animation or video games that are going to blow out my voice because I just, I don't have a need for it. Lots of people are doing that and love it and all the power to them. It's never been something that I felt compelled to do. So most of what I do is advertising and marketing and um, uh, corporate narrations and anthems for large companies that they put them on their websites and, you know, tell people how proud they are to be who they are, which I'm happy to help them do. (laughs) Um, And advertising to me is fascinating always found it fascinating. So I don't feel like I'm missing out. And most of what I do is five minutes or less of finished audio, which means I can get to it fairly quickly and get my clients what they need fast. That also means that they can rely on me to be a partner that will help them do their job better <laughs> because they not, they're not waiting around for me to get what they need. And, uh, and it just, in, in general, it makes my life a little easier to manage because the smaller projects can be done quicker. And that means I have more time for more projects and can space things out so that it works for my work-life 
balance. What is it that you like so much about advertising? Because you're, it's when you said advertising, your eyes just sort of. Uh... <laughs> I find it a challenge because, as I mentioned, the, the pivot with my podcast was about how sound influences us. So I really feel that influencing people to become trusting and excited about a particular brand is a fun challenge. And I know how I react to certain sound and how a lot of people have a very elevated sense of BS these days. And, and, and I get that, totally get it. So my job is to make things as real as possible so that you trust what I'm saying, you know, <laughs> right there. And to use that on behalf of a client who happens to be advertising a product that I think is awesome is uh, wonderful. I just think it's it's fun. <laughs> See, I there are times when I watch these commercials and I, <laughs> I have a reaction that is usually... I wouldn't say usually. It, it's it's a reaction that is negative. No, yeah, it's not, it can be. Because even if I... There are times they'll, they'll have a person with a voice that might be similar to yours that's reassuring that, and they, mm -hmm. and they play the musical beats and I just, and I know, I just, I just feel it in my heart like you're trying to get me. And that's, when, <laughs> that's when I get resistant and I'm just like, no, I, there's no way I'll buy the Swiffer, the Swiffer jet because I, you know, I know that you're using this combination of tactics or you're, you're, there's, there are just elements of things in advertising I've, I guess I can pull back far enough to see it all in one space. You know, the sure. visuals, the music, the voice of the the narration, the colors. Like, there's just some. There's there's uh -huh. an element of. I want to say manipulation, but coercion. Mm -hmm. And I I know that's the game. That's the. Like advertising is the business. Like it's mm -hmm. there's a, you know, there's a reason why Google made. Was it uh, 15, 15 billion with YouTube last year? It does not surprise me at and all. And I think yeah. it was twenty billion with Instagram. Like, I know that advertising and ads move the populace. Like they're mm -hmm. they're there to draw you in. It's just that I'm I feel myself I'm resistant at times, and there are times that I can where you can see them pulling the strings, and you're just like, okay, the immersion is broken for me, and I will not. <laughs> I will not. I yeah. Will not. But then there are times when you see something and it just you're already hooked. You're you're done for. Like as soon mm -hmm. as it starts, you're just like I'm gone. They got me. They got all my money. Let me just open my wallet, flash in my credit card, and game. Take over. my money. Yeah, yes. Basically. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> I think that the challenge with advertising is to not only be entertaining or to reach you on an emotional level, but also to be memorable. Because if you're saying something in your advertising and being clever, as wonderful as that can be to watch, if you're not remembering who the advertiser is, that's a failed commercial. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of challenges when it comes to this kind of thing. And whether or not I understand it, I feel the challenge and I'm up for it. <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 
there's also a side of me that uh, I understand the strategy of it all. So that yeah. that part of it I get. So that mm-hmm. I think that's probably the side for you is that there's a you you're here to figure this out and yes. you want to be you want to be part of the figuring. So I, I get that, that that's exactly it. I'm part of a team, but at the same time, I'm not here to manipulate people. <laughs> you know, like that's like uh, you know, it's 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 a form it's advertising and it's a business and um i'm going to be as honest as i possibly can <laughs> for me uh, but again that's acting right <laughs> yeah. yeah it's i heard your podcast with uh the guy who uh is uh mclean yes that, john mclean yeah to die hard i heard the part about <laughs> there's uh oversight at casinos but there's no oversight for like the general advertising space. And I just found that very disturbing. Yeah, it kind of is. And I have a upcoming interview with a guy named Steve Keller, who, if you listen to 18 minutes to harness the power of sound, which is a previous podcast of mine, he's the guy at the end who did the Ted talk Mm. and it's 18 minutes and it'll blow your mind seriously, (laughs) because all of the tactics that they use for advertising that have to do with sound are amazing. And it really is just a tiny touch scary how, how easily manipulated we can be by, by sound. At the same time, so few people are using it that they're missing out. This is kind of part of my podcast too. You know, audio branding is a thing. And if your audio doesn't match your visual, people are not going to trust you and they're not going to know why. That's the scary thing. Yeah. But I I feel like advertisers are really focusing on the visuals, Uh, especially here here in New York. We have, I'll give a little commentary on our transit system. (laughs) Sure, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Our transit system is, it's very effective. I will say it's effective in terms Mm -hmm. of its, and it's very large in its scope. We have five large boroughs. Like our city is, you know, a very big place. And sure. our public transit can get us from point A to point B fairly reliably. Our train systems are, as I, as I said, extensive. But they need massive amounts of repairs. Our, our signal system is like over 100 years old. We're still using like glass tubes from the Depression era. However... Our transit system has decided to heavily invest in flat screen TVs throughout pretty much every train station available. To Is that to distract people from the fact that they're <laughs> riding dilapidated trains? <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> like, it, it, there are so many other ways that they could have used that money to help the system mm-hmm. be a bit more reliable and a bit more functional. But they decided to get TVs and put those TVs on the wall to show movie posters, TV posters, whoever may have paid an advertising fee with no sound, but just moving, just moving picture. That's interesting. Exactly. So like your point of the audio, like I, I understand the audio part, um, especially with when, when you have commercials on TV with the sound, the mm-hmm. sound and the visual combined is a more compelling product. But with our transit system, they're just, they just care about the visual. They just want you to see something moving around on a screen and to just draw your eye. 
I th- and I think that's that's where their investment was made, and I'm not sure how well it'll work. Maybe they'll find out in five to ten years when there's data coming back from that, but they seem to have pushed their chips to the center of the table with that play. Yeah, I, I can see where they're going with it. I think it's a mistake. Um, I, I, I understand that they need to catch people's attention because we have very limited attention spans, yes, especially yes. now. But I, I wonder if the audio component of that might be A, way less expensive, and B, actually reach people where they live a little clearer, yeah. if that makes any sense. Um, and one of the things that I um, talk about with Steve Keller is how sound can be used to calm people and make people feel better quicker in a hospital setting. So if you are in a, a, a subway train and you're being shuttled from one place to another and you're stressed, seems to me like you could prevent a lot of problems if you calmed people down. The only voice that we hear is the conductor uh, yeah. telling us um, this usually some sort of copy from the MTA, which is like, mm-hmm. if, if you see something, say something. Yeah, of if course. If you, um, you know, don't walk between the cars, um, you know, don't sleep on the seats. Like there's just, it's more, yeah. it's almost parental. It's like, hey. And I understand that those messages need to happen. Right. I don't have a problem with those messages necessarily, but intersperse them with something that is much more calming. Yeah. Cause Music it, or sounds or hell, birdsong. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> I mean, just something that distracts people from the frenetic activity of what was probably their day before they got on that train. Yeah, because we're a lot of New Yorkers. We feel like we're on edge. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for every single one, but it, from the times that I'm on the train and I, I see my fellow strap hangers, they're just. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are plugged into their phones, so totally because they want to hear something. Right. Yeah. They're, they're watching YouTube. They're watching TV shows. Which means they're not hearing the messages that are coming through the train station. Right. The only. So why not make the train station? What's in your iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. The yeah. only the only time people will take their headphones out if the train stops and it's not moving in like a quick pace and they hear mm-hmm. like some noise. They're like, "Oh wait, what's going on?" Yeah. Oh, the, is the train out of service? Oh, okay. Then they then they understand. Sure, I get it. I mean, we all need our distractions. People listen to audiobooks maybe in their ears. They listen to podcasts. Yeah. You know, that's kind of everyday stuff. But if I just think that it's a lost opportunity. I agree. I agree. I think maybe they need to hire us uh, and just play this uh, part of our podcast <laughs> and, ex- and show them the folly of their ways. And, sure, yeah. <laughs> and they'll just get right on it and fix it. They should pay us millions. <laughs> the consulting fee is not low for us. 